Welcome to the Open Door Cutting Room Floor Podcast, where we continue the conversation that started on Sunday to help you become more like Christ throughout the week. I'm your host, Clay Wright. Let's get started. Hello and welcome back to the Open Door Cutting Room Floor Podcast. My name is Clay Wright, and I am so blessed to be joined over Zoom, not by Jim Mindling, and know that it's not a misspelling. We're joined by his brother, Tim Mindling. So Tim, it's great to have you for the first time ever on the cutting room floor. Welcome. Great to be here. Thanks for the invitation. And so rumor has it that you are actually Jim's brother. Uh, and so I thought we might just kick things off by hearing maybe like, what was it like growing up with Jim? Tell us about, you know, are you his older brother or younger brother? I, I don't know a whole lot about the family relationships there, but would you would you tune us in a little bit? Yeah, I'm the younger but wiser one. Uh, okay, cool. I'm, uh, I'm right in the middle. There's three boys and a girl on either end, so five of us kids, and uh, I'm right in the middle of all that. And um, Jim and I are 18 months uh, apart. He's 18 months older than me. And uh, I was able to learn from him. Uh, both good and bad growing up. Uh, so he, yes. he put his foot in the water first, and then I would follow if it was safe. So <laughs> That's fantastic. Well, there's definitely a family resemblance. I remember I, was, I wasn't I was in the house on Sunday morning when, when you uh, brought the word for us this past Sunday, but I got to watch it online after the fact, and I, I pulled it up. I was like, yep, they're definitely brothers. Yeah. <laughs> So the, the family resemblance is strong, and uh, man, we're so grateful for you bringing your teaching gift to bear for our church. And uh, I, I was really looking forward to this sermon. You know, we, we've been in this sermon series called Expanding Your Circle of Love in Luke chapter 6, talking about, among other things, the golden rule, and really trying to examine how can we love people well, even people who we disagree with, even people who are different from us, even people who maybe are our enemies, or certainly those who are enemies, if we're looking at Jesus's words there in Luke chapter six. And I, I understand that you have had a long career as a missionary to people that many believers would consider their enemies. And so you, you talked a little bit about this um, on Sunday and just dispelling some misconceptions. But I, I wondered as we begin our conversation about um, you know, more about this text, more about loving our enemies. Could you share with us for maybe if somebody missed your sermon on Sunday, uh, share with us about the ministry that you've had and about uh, how you got going in that ministry? Yeah, I, I think I attended Urbana, um, Urbana 81, and it was a real eye opener to the needs of the world at a, at a big scale. And then I went to Gordon Conwell Seminary after that and uh, had a professor who had served in Afghanistan for 22 years. And he challenged us not just to go to seminary and go out to churches, but to, to really look at the needs of the world. And uh, he said, God will be calling some of you to pastoral ministry, but don't assume that's the first place and the only place you can go. And so mm -hmm. then he shared with us stories and challenges. And then I went on a, a missions trip uh, and, uh, at the end of... Uh, 83 December of 83 and oh my goodness uh, and descent December of 84 and uh, oh my goodness my eyes were opened up to incredible needs that were there and and slowly the Lord opened my heart to yeah this is the place where I would have you and the people among whom I'd have you serve mm. 
Yeah, I, I was I was wondering, and, and, of, and of course, where where was that missions trip? Was it over overseas someplace? Yeah, it was to Pakistan, uh, to Peshawar, Pakistan. And a little, you know, I give a little advertisement for short-term missions. I actually met my wife over there. And oh, so, wow. And uh, so she is from <laughs> Vermont, but we met in, in uh, the wilds of uh, western Pakistan. Wow. How about that? That's that's quite the plug. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) man. I you know, I've I've also had the the privilege of going on some short term missions trips. Mostly for me, they've been to the Dominican Republic, visiting our our campus there and Pastor Tito. Mm -hmm. Um, Sure. And uh, it it was so interesting um, in, in school growing up. There was almost this sense of like, oh, man, you know, our short-term missions trips really the way to go. And I, like I, when I was studying ministry, uh, the, the book when helping hurts was, was getting really popular. Yeah. And so there were some questions about that, but I, I totally agree with you for, for me, I know at least the, the, the short-term trips that I went on were life changing for me. And, you know, I would like to think we were able to have an impact in the community and, uh, over the years, it seems like that's been the case in the Dominican Republic. So we're really grateful for that ministry, but, God does awesome things when we walk in obedience to him and when we when we uh, um, take those steps of faith. So that's really, really cool. So, so is that, that's where you got your call to ministry was there on the short term trip. Yeah, short term missions is um, sometimes more speaking to the person on the trip than to the people <laughs> you're going to minister to. If you, Absolutely. Have, if you have eyes to see and hearts to feel uh, for the people that you're going to. Um, yeah, it can have a lifetime impact, so I would encourage those. Very good, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, and so I, I want to hear a little bit more as well. You know, as as you were getting that call to minister to Muslims and Muslims in Pakistan, um, what were some of those early experiences like? Uh, because, for you know, as far as I know, you didn't grow up around any Muslim people uh, and so can, can you tell us more about what, what was that like getting to know Muslim culture or having your first exposure to those folks? What, you, what was that like for you? Yeah, I, I benefited from other people already on the field who, who gave advice and orientation. And mm-hmm. I, would, I would always encourage that whenever possible to talk to people who have some experience ahead of you. Um, that's good for most fields, including going into missions. Uh, mistakes are going to be made. And so you, know, you just want to try to make as few as possible. Uh, <laughs> I, I met a young man who uh, was earnestly seeking uh, God and was mm. a refugee who had come out of Afghanistan. I spent a lot of time with him, got to know his family. And I think a lot of hanging out with him also influenced me in terms of learning the culture, learning uh the do's and don'ts and, and learning that yeah. from inside a family uh, kind of gave me a unique insight that it wasn't, uh, I did read books and I read lots of books after that, but um, getting to know him and his family uh, were very instrumental. Uh, so relationships, uh, getting involved and getting to know people and asking questions mm. uh, are very important to, to learning and to growing and, and uh, expanding in your understanding, your knowledge but mistakes are going to be made, and you, you got to laugh at those and say, "I'm so sorry, I didn't know that word that I tried to say means this." Or, oh, uh, man. you know, you you find you you fight your way through that, and yeah, you, you just keep going. 
as a, a budding honors Spanish student, I committed many a faux pas in my times in the DR that were very, very embarrassing. Uh, but they were they were very gracious with me. I wondered, could, do you have any stories to share about that sort of thing? Of like, <laughs> that's like something where early on uh, that you know you didn't realize. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, probably one of the first ones I made was uh, when you say thank you, you say tashakur, uh, tashakur, and so okay. uh, I got the tosh part right, but I didn't get the I didn't get the second part right, and so when I was greeting someone and they did something for me, I was saying tashnab, tashnab, instead of tashakur, and tashnab is bathroom, tashakur means thank you. <laughs> And so uh, I was, you know, putting my hand over my heart, nodding to them, saying, you know, Tasha, so finally somebody overheard me and said, what are you saying? Why, why are you saying that? Do you know what you're saying? Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm just, I'm just practicing the language. No, 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 no. You're not practicing it right. <laughs> so, yeah, that's I. So for me, when I was in. I, I was I was trying to tell one of the students that I was that one of the Dominican students that we were there with I love you I was trying to say you know I love you and I accidentally said something I actually said rather than saying like te amo which is I love you I think I said te quiero or something like that which means like I want you which has a completely different connotation in that culture. And uh, I had no idea. And they were like, hey, never say that again. <laughs> like, don't don't say that to people. <laughs> and that's especially. Uh, yeah, that was. Uh, and the, yeah, that was uh, that was a very uh, enlightening experience. But one, one of the reasons you and I, I, I loved some of the stories that you told in your sermon as well. And, you know, talking about what was it? Black tea in the winter and green tea in the summer. Yep. Um, some of those some of those notes are are so helpful for us to recognize that there are vast cultural differences. And I know that can seem so obvious to people, but you know, when we're trying to love people, we, we need to recognize not everybody is like us. <laughs> and so in the same way that, you know, we, the, 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 uh, Gary Chapman has popularized this idea of love languages and it's, it's helped us to get, you know, get yeah. used to the fact that people don't receive love in the same way all the time. It doesn't mean they're not people. It doesn't mean they're, you don't want to be loved, but we need to pay attention to the person that we're loving in order to love them well. And so all these cultural notes are so, so helpful um, for, for that reason. Uh, And so, and, and yet in the midst of that, another thing I loved that, that you even talked about just now is, how important that building relationships were for you as you were getting to know the culture and especially as, as someone who was in seminary, as you were getting to know the culture in order to have an impact for the sake of Christ. Um, are, are, are you familiar at all with the five B's that, that Pastor Jim teaches? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so you know the, the first B is to build relationships. And this, you know, the five B's are our evangelistic strategy. And uh, I, I think sometimes people can get it in their minds that, you know, you, you need to argue someone into the faith or you need to you need to really, especially when it comes to comparative religions, you know, you need to confront their beliefs and, and argue them into a relationship with Christ. Whereas a lot of your stories and, and a lot of what we try to teach at Open Door is that, no, it's it's much better and it's much more like Christ to get to know the person and to love them toward Christ. 
Um, have you found that to be true in, in your interactions cross-culturally as well? Oh, yeah. Well, if you if you build a relationship, you have the strength to share from that relationship. Um, so one of the things that we do uh, in reaching out to communities here is we teach English. And so mm. uh, a teacher uh, in in Afghanistan it has a very high social standing, well, just a lot of respect for, for them. In fact, uh, when uh, an Afghan teacher walks into a room, all of the students stand up. So oh, wow. can you imagine that here? Uh, <laughs> so we've, we've kind of lost our, our uh, appreciation for teachers, uh, but they're, mm. they're, they're very highly respected. So to, to teach them English, even just a little bit, um, puts, puts you in a good position, not of authority over them, but of someone who's helping them. And, and that's yeah. appreciated and that's very much appreciated. And so that uh, honor and respect is there. And so as you then share and as you interact with them, they know that you are serving them as well as teaching them and, and that you have their best interests at, at mind, at heart. And so that, that is important in that relationship for, for them to see that, that you care about them. Right, right. And, and so in, in the midst of that, uh, another question I wanted to ask you is, is you know, we're, we're a, a congregation in the middle of Ohio up on Lake Erie. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, some some folks at Open Door, you know, we we may have interacted with Muslims before. We may not have. You know, they, they make up a, a small but concentrated part of our population in Ohio. Um, and, and, and many of us may not really know the, the basic tenets of Islam. And, and you shared a little bit about the five pillars, for example, uh, in your sermon. But, but I wondered, could you just, for, for someone who maybe hasn't done that work to really get to know Islam and maybe is operating just off of what they hear in the culture, in American culture, about this religion and about these people, could you share with us, you know, what is Islam and what do Muslims think and believe? And I know that that's a, we could probably spend a whole podcast just talking about that. But, um, you know, whether that's a a couple minutes or five minutes or 10 minutes, help help to bring us into uh, where where would you begin sharing with someone what, how to understand this religion and this, this way of thinking and living? Yeah. Well, first off, uh, if you are coming from a family, uh, you are born into Islam. So from the mm-hmm. moment that you're born, you are, it's not something that you later become. So it, <laughs> within Christianity, we believe that individually, you must make your own profession of faith and have your own relationship. It doesn't count on what your parents had or your grandparents or brothers or sisters. You yourself have to have a personal relationship and confess your sins and ask Jesus to be Lord of your life. Well, for Muslims, you are born into that. Hmm. And so it, it's you're born into that community and they are very good at building community and supporting each other. Uh, but as you grow up and you, and you do studies and things, um, as a young as a young child, you're, you're taught to memorize the Quran. Uh, one of the things we talked about in the sermon is that only 20% of the Muslim world are Arabic speakers. Um, right. and, and yet the, the Quran uh, is written in Arabic. And so all, all Muslims worldwide have to study that and pray their prayers in Arabic. So they're 
praying memorized words, but that's something that's part of their upbringing is, is that uh, Quranic studies and, and teaching mm. that they have. And then as they develop, they, of course, absorb more and learn more. But the, the major tenets uh, to be a, a good Muslim um, is to say the creed. Uh, there is no God but Allah and Muhammad is his prophet. You should uh, say your prayers five times a day if you're a, a Sunni Muslim or three times a day if you're a Shia to two different denominations, uh, two large groups that are there. About 85% of the Muslim world is Sunni and about 14% are, are Shia. Um, then the, the third one is that you should give to the poor, give alms to the poor. Uh, the fourth one would be you should keep the fast. At least once in your lifetime, you should make Oh, you should you should keep the fast during the month of Ramazan. Uh, Persian speakers say Ramazan. Uh, Arabic speakers say Ramadan, and that's how you can tell the, the difference there. But that's going to be wow. starting on March the 10th. And so from sunrise mm. to sunset, they're not even supposed to swallow their own spit. They're supposed to abstain wow. from food and drink. Um, and so that's a, an interesting point of, of connection there to talk about what fasting truly means. So... Uh, if you've not met a Muslim before, maybe starting March 10th, you can have an eye out for people who are avoiding drinking or eating during during that during the daytime, <laughs> and that might give you a hint that's there. And then the uh, the last one is at least once in your lifetime, you should go on a pilgrimage to to Mecca if you're if you're able to do mm. that. So th those are uh, the, the pillars that are there. Um, living those out, you should live those out faithfully. And you should uh, follow those to, to the best of your ability. But as you mm. do those, perform those different things, you're never quite sure if what you do is enough. And so that is uh, the, the uncertainty that, that Muslims will, will be living with. They also have uh, pillars of practice of, of things that they believe uh, or the, the these five pillars we talked about are practice, and there's also pillars of belief uh, hmm. th that God is one. Uh, you have to believe uh, in the prophets. You have to believe that uh, that God sends angels that that they are there. Hmm. You have to believe in judgment. Um, so those are things that we say. Oh, we we believe a lot of those things. Uh, yeah. They also have to believe in the books of God. Now, they would say the books of God are the books of Moses, the books of David, uh, the book of Jesus, and then the book of Muhammad, which was the final one they believe that supersedes all the others. But mm -hmm. uh, a, a true Muslim who's adhering uh, to, to true Islam should actually be studying the Old Testament, should actually yeah. be studying um those previous books that, that preceded. So, um, so you've got these pillars of belief and you've got these pillars of practice and they all kind of form the understanding of, of a Muslim as they grow. Now you've got the Quran as your, as your basic teaching tool that that's there, but then you also have another body of literature called the Hadith, which, um, mm. are thousands and thousands of, of, and tens of thousands of, of quotations of, of sayings that people have said that I heard the prophet say this and, uh, and that this is how you should do that. And so these are also collected or traditions that are there. Um, Interesting. And I would, I would encourage people who are wanting to talk with, with Muslims, 
not to not to get tangled up in the hadith. Um, the Quran is <laughs> is more than enough because you can find almost anything you want to find in the hadith. It's just you know you know many 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 uh, interesting th- things that are there. So, so is that s- sort of similar to? And I don't I don't know. You'll have to you'll have to tell me. You know, in the Jewish religion, they have the the Torah, but then they also have these these sayings separate from that that unpack it like in the talmud for example is is that sort of like a similar comparison to the quran and then the and i'm not sure remind me of the name of the the second body of literature yeah, it's called the hadith, the um, hadith. it's the hadith is supposed to be uh somebody who's heard a direct quotation from the prophet so that oh, okay. that's what makes it unique uh, I heard the prophet say this, or I saw the prophet do this. So when mm. he, when he got out of bed, which foot hit the floor first? Uh, oh, because wow. I saw that, that's how everyone else should do that. That's uh, something that mm. you should follow. Um, so it's directly tied, specific to the words and actions of of the prophet is how that's built out. So, mm. but you have somebody quoting so and so who quotes so and so who quotes so and so who quotes so and so. That he heard this, um, and there's a body of literature for uh, Sunnis, and there's a body of literature for Shias. They don't always agree on on that, but um, it, it, it's a lot of. Uh, it, it makes for some interesting study. But in terms of of talking with someone, I I would steer people away from from those traditions uh, because you'll you'll get tangled up in the weeds with with all yeah. of that. And, and I remember, which is reflected in what you're saying as well, um, the little study that I have done of Islam, uh, I remember thinking to myself, man, these these five pillars are pretty, you know, they're they're com- they're compelling in a sense. Like the, these are helpful things. They sound familiar. You know, praying, uh, fasting. You know, I, we. I, I know I don't fast regularly. I know many believers who have never fasted. Uh, and yet, you know, Muslims fast every year, uh, if, if I understand it correctly, during during Ramadan. Or uh, and so, I, I think there's there's something to me at least when I was first getting exposed to to Islam, I grew in some respect. It's like, hey, they they take this seriously. They're they're fervent in their faith, uh, and and there are some similarities in practice between Christianity and Islam. And then as well, I, I heard you talk about. Did you say in, in their liter in their sacred literature they have the the books of Moses, then the books of David, then did you say the books of Jesus after that? Well, they they call it the um, the Injil, and so uh, that's the Gospel of Jesus. So um, they consider it to be one book. We look at the Gospels as being four books, uh, and the New yeah. Testament they call it the Injil, which is inclusive of all the. Uh, words of Jesus, so uh, they call it the Book of Jesus, the the Injil. Uh, yeah, and that that may surprise some people that they they that they uh, look to Jesus at least in some sense. You know, people people may not realize that. So, what how, how does uh, you know at, at what point? Does sort of the Muslim faith and the Christian faith part ways on the person of Jesus, um, <laughs> or if there is any any convergence? Yeah, well, let me let me just backtrack just a little bit. Um, Muslim, sure. Muslims consider uh, Abraham to be their father, and so that's mm-hmm. that's the point of of divergence uh, where they follow gotcha. the, the the line of Ishmael, um, right? 
and then everyone else follows uh, Christians and Jews follow the line of, of Isaac. So um, if you um, if you talk to a Muslim about Abraham, they're you know they they'll, they'll connect with you there and they'll uh, they'll respect you know prophets that were before uh, they consider Noah to be a prophet, Adam to be a prophet, um, uh, Moses, um, you know all different. The, the 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 big um, the big figures in the Old Testament, even if they're not from the line of Ishmael, will also be honored by those uh, within Islam. Mm. So uh, Jonah will pop up. You'll have different stories. You say, "Oh, I know that story." And one of the things I shared in the sermon is that Muslims will talk about the mercy of God, um, but they understand it differently than how we understand it. And so, and I urge caution that you explore that a little bit, drill down a little bit to see that you're talking about the same thing. You might be using the same word, but you're using it differently. Um, mm. It's similar to uh, the prophets from the Old Testament. Uh, as we uh, talk about them and Muslims talk about them, we have the stories that we know from the Bible, and they will have similar but different stories about those same people in the Quran. So just mm. they say they know the story of Jonah doesn't mean they know the same story that you know. Um, and mm. so you need to unpack that and, and ask for a little more clarification there. Uh, and that's it's one thing is, is not just to assume because we're sharing similar vocabulary that we're on the same page with something because, you know, they believe that uh, Jesus was sinless. They believe that Jesus uh, performed miracles, that Jesus was born of a virgin, that Jesus never sinned, that Jesus... Uh, uh, is coming back and there'll be a day of judgment. So they don't believe that he died. And so mm. they believe that he swooned and that his disciples came and, and carried him away. And, uh, but they do believe he's coming back. So there's several points that but we agree. We agree that Jesus was sinless. We agree that Jesus did miracles. We agree that Jesus was born of a virgin. Um, mm. They call Jesus the word of God. Uh, you know, we would agree with all of those things. Um, but, the biggest thing that Jesus, we believe that Jesus died for our sins and was raised from the dead and conquered the power of sin and death. That's where we, we have disagreement. So that, mm. that is a, a big uh, place of departure when we, we hit that. But Muhammad, um, as he lived, um, you know, at um, he was after the birth of Christianity. He was after uh, Judaism. But he had contact with Christians and Jews. And so mm. as he had contact with Christians and Jews, uh, he was influenced by them. And so that's how you have stories in the Quran that are very similar to what we have, uh, but with differences, uh, because because he had interactions with Christians and Jews that those stories have made their way into, into the Quran. Unfortunately, he, he didn't have contact with with really solid christians who could have set uh, his theology straight um and so <laughs> where where we are today um hmm. yeah but that that's the biggest point of departure they they don't believe they believe jesus was a prophet a great teacher but they don't believe that he is the savior of the world yeah yeah and, and obviously that's a that's a big point of departure, right? And, and especially, um, you know, when you think about the traditional Christian creeds, 
they were at they went you know to great lengths for example in the athanasian creed to talk about the nature of christ and, and what he's done for us this is our hope right you know if we're if we're gonna take a page out of the book of the apostle paul it's if jesus is not raised um me you know assume assuming that he died well then we got problems to put it <laughs> to put it bluntly and so, you know, that, that's one of the reasons why I loved um, your disposition in the sermon toward the Muslim people, just, just to say, hey, you know, even, you know, in your starting point, you started out with a view to the mercy of God that we receive in Christ. You know, we, we want that same mercy to be experienced by these people who um, are trying to appease Allah in, in a different kind of a way. They're, they're trying to... You know, they're they're working and working. They're following faithfully the five pillars in your in, in your words, not ever knowing, uh, you know, is God going to be pleased with me? And you know, from our perspective, we we recognize there's not uh, there's no amount of prayer, there's no amount of fasting, there's no amount of right. um, you know practice that's going to merit our favor from God or merit our relationship with God, merit our eternal life from God. Right. And so you know, that's that's what motivates us, again, not to be argumentative with these people, but to love them and to get to know them and to, you know, with with ultimately with the hope of getting to pray with them, getting to introduce them afresh to Jesus. Um, yeah, you, so we, oh, go ahead. Yeah. yeah, you don't want to win an argument and lose a friend. So you that's don't right. you don't want to fight and prove your point and beat them down so that, yay, I won, you lost. You know, that, that's yeah. not the point to insist that Jesus is this and not what they believe. Um, mm -hmm. Let the Holy Spirit work in their hearts. Let the Holy Spirit bring them along to that. You, you can present right. it, but don't beat them over the head with that. And I think that's been a huge problem with Christians over the years, over the centuries, is that we have tried to force our faith. Uh, and, you, you know, this is what it is, and you've got to believe it. And um, it's mm -hmm. it's a matter of God softening hearts and then drawing people to Himself, and uh, our responsibility is to share the gospel, not to change their hearts. The Holy Spirit right. changes their hearts. Our responsibility is to share the gospel and to love on them and let God work and, and then draw them to Himself. And sometimes we feel well, they're wrong. I have to prove them right, and and that that's that's not a a very helpful uh, place to to be because you'll drive them away. Then yeah. you lose the opportunity to share at another point. Absolutely. And, and, you know, you think about I, I recent in a recent sermon, I quoted a statistic out of a study called Reviving Evangelism by the Barna Institute. Mm -hmm. I, are you familiar with the study? I see you nodding. Uh, I'm familiar with Barna. They do good research. Very good. Yeah. So they, they've got this um, composite study. I think it's from either the early 2010s or the late 2000s, where they shared that over 50 percent of or nearly 50% of practicing evangelical Christians believe that it's wrong to evangelize or that it's wrong to share your faith in the hopes that someone else will one day um, receive that faith. Mm. And I, 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 I might venture to say that part of the reason that there's been that sort of reaction from that generation is because of a misunderstanding of what evangelism is. Uh, just like we're, we're, we're talking about. If, if, if your goal in evangelism is to come in and you know, checkmate someone into, you back them into a corner, um, then, well, yeah, you know, that doesn't seem very loving, even though you, you can justify it by saying, well, but I'm just concerned for their soul. And, and, and you know, how, how many 
atrocities have been justified in the interest of well, but I know what's really best for this person. I, I'm interested in their you know their eternity and not just their body. All the while, you know, we 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 can recognize Christians have done some terrible things over the years along that line of thinking, yeah. and it's just it's not ultimately a loving thing to do. And so the the loving way, and and what what we try to teach as true evangelism is to invest in them, get to know them, pray with them, love on them. Uh, and and I, that's one of the things I loved about the story you shared about that couple from uh, who was uh, fleeing the Taliban. Uh, when you got to go and sit in their home, you shocked them. You surprised them by, I'm not against you. I'm not your enemy. I'm just here to be a friend and to, to you know, I've learned your language because I love you. And I want to pray with you <laughs> just because I love you. And that ultimately, you know, the Holy Spirit used that to, to change this man's life. Um, so in the midst of that, though, how, how do you, you know, do you, do you ever engage in sort of like a comparative religions conversation with Muslims? Do you, do you find that they enjoy talking about the differences between Christianity and Islam, or is it just a total miss to them? Uh, for the most part, um, it's, it's not a, a, a big conversation that I have often. Occasionally, uh, we'll have that. It, a lot of it depends on how much education someone has had. So uh, in Afghanistan, literacy, when we first went, literacy was about, oh, less than 20%. So, oh, wow. you know, 80% of the people that you met on the street could not read and write. So if they can't read and write in their own language, how much less would they be able to interact with things uh, written in the Quran in Arabic? or any other literature that's there. So uh, many Afghans are, are taught by their teachers, and they just hear it. Uh, and it's not so much um, them studying and, and learning it in a, in a classroom setting or, or something like that. It's more uh, being passed on to them. So as, as more and more people get the opportunity to get an education, that will change the dynamics of that. Um, but, you know, you would have a conversation with somebody um, who's never read the Quran in a language they can understand. And so mm -hmm. it doesn't make sense for you to try to start proving points um, and say, you know, if you look this up, you'll find this to be true. Well, <laughs> they can't look it up. And, and, <laughs> and so it, it kind of changes the way you present things. Um, it, it, yeah, it, it's just it's very different. Uh, but as as they come to the West, as they uh, have a chance for education, those conversations will develop and, and there will be ability to, to reason with them and to work through things. When you come up against someone who is well-educated, which happens, it's happening more and more, um, there's some just amazing conversations that you can have mm -hmm. as, as they have studied, uh, most of the time, singularly Islam. They haven't studied other faiths. And so when you start sharing with them, their eyes are like, what? Never heard this uh, before. Um, never heard it presented like this. And those who are truly uh, interested, they will pursue if you approach them in a loving manner. If you hammer them, they don't want anything to do with you. But if you, you know, reason with them and ask permission, okay, could I hear your point of view? Now can I share mine? If it's a little bit of give and take back and forth. And so the, the family that we talked about, Judgment Day, 
um, in the sermon, uh, they they brought it up and they talked about it and they shared their views of Judgment Day. I asked permission to share our view of Judgment Day. And with that family, they were very well educated and we had a great dis- dialogue and back and forth, back and forth of talking things mm. through that I wouldn't have been able to have with many other with many other families. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's just a, such a good example for us to remember and to, and to listen to uh, because we can get sucked into what's so common in our culture where dialogue is nearly impossible with folks that you disagree with because we, we get so caught up in trying to win the argument, so caught up in trying to prove the other person wrong that it, it, it's no longer about the conversation. It's no longer about the relationship or the people. It's just about you know, solving the problem and that that can be so damaging to our witness and to our relationships. But, um, you know, I, I, I find that there's, we have a long way to go as a culture when it comes to, um, loving Muslims well and, and, and understanding Islam. And you did touch on this a little bit, like we've, like we've already shared that, um, actually you know, we, we tend to think of Muslims as, you know, an Arabic people, but that is a very small, relatively speaking, a very small percentage of Muslims. Mm-hmm. Uh, or at the very beginning of our conversation, I shared that many believers consider Muslims to be their enemies. So can you can you just dispel for us some other mis- common misconceptions amongst especially American believers when it comes to Muslims or when it comes to Islam that, that hurt our ability to love them well? Yeah, the, the, the thinking that they're terrorists and things like that, those, those, those are not helpful discussions. And, yeah. uh, you know, 20% of, of Muslims are from the Arabic world, but 80% are from the rest of the world. You know, Asia, the middle, uh, Central Asia, Southeast Asia, South Asia, very, very different cultures than, than the Arabic culture that's in the Middle East. And so I think one of the most important things is that every Muslim is different and, mm-hmm. and is unique and reflects the culture that they come from. And we need to find ways to explore that. And if we have our stereotype glasses on, looking at them, thinking that they're this, we're gonna miss the rich, the richness of getting to know them as a person coming from a unique culture and with a unique family and, and background. So, um, you know, it's interesting. A lot of Muslims look at the West as being Christian. And, <laughs> and so think about that for a second. Yeah. Uh, Okay, there's Christians in the West, you know, but certainly not all of the West is Christian. Not all of America is Christian. And so if mm-hmm. they think that everyone here in America is a Christian, think of all the people that they've met who have misrepresented Christ to them because they didn't have a personal relationship with Jesus. So they're, right. they're struggling because that's what they've been taught. Everyone in America is a Christian. So they have their own stereotypes of us, just like we have stereotypes of them. And we need to try to move past those and help them. You know, it's helpful to tell the Muslims, uh, you know, maybe 15 or 18 percent of, of Americans are, are followers of Jesus. And <laughs> others, you know, you know, that truly study the word of God and spend time in fellowship with him. And, uh, and the rest might claim it by saying that they're Christians, but they only mean that we were born into a Christian family and uh, but they don't understand anything else about it. So that, that's, that's helpful for Muslims to know that just a percentage of Americans are Christians because they have amazing yeah. interactions with people, especially in the workplace. So, you know, if, if they're working in a factory and the language isn't always appropriate, oh, that's just Christians talking. 
Um, so, you know, those are things that every Muslim is different and unique. Uh, we don't like them to have stereotypes of us, and we yeah. shouldn't have stereotypes of them. That's just not it's just not helpful. So learn to ask questions. Learn to build yes. build those bees. Build that first one. Build that relationship. Get to know them. Ask questions. Where are you from? Tell me about your country. Tell me about the foods that you eat. Tell me about, you know, growing up. You know, just start acting those questions that show a genuine interest in them so mm. that they might, you know, say, oh, yeah, you know, I, 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 I'm getting along with this person. So that if, yeah. if an invitation yeah. comes to, to, to invite them to come to church, invite them to a Bible study, they're going to be more open to that if you're dialoguing with them rather than you're just hammering them with teachings and correct theology and things like that. So right. a, a tenderness and an and a appreciation of, of who they are as a person. Every Muslim you meet is going to be different than the one they met before. And mm, uh, so right. that was just helpful things to keep in mind. Yeah. And I do think along those, some of those lines, it was a helpful comparison to me for you to share that, you know, think about the terror groups in America that claim Christ. You know, there have been plenty of them mm-hmm. and it would, you know, shock us. We would be so upset for people to say, no, see, look what, look what those Christians do. And we'd be like, no, that's not what we're about at all. Um, and, and so I, I do want to ask this question because it's a question I've gotten several times uh, since Sunday. And, and I just I would really appreciate your your input on it. I, I've heard some people say that, for example, well, I've read the Quran and I know what it says. And it says that, you know, the Muslim people are supposed to pursue Christians and war, you know wage war against them and these sorts of things. And, and they say so, you know, moderate Muslims maybe are 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 not. You know, they're not being faithful to that teaching that's in the Quran. Um, admittedly, I I just don't know about enough about Islam to respond to those sorts of questions. So could you share with us, um, you know, is it a, an extreme subgroup of Muslims that, that tend to be violent? Sort of like it's a you know, highly extremist Christian subgroup that would, you know, take all these violent um, stances toward things, or h- help us to understand, you know, what, what's the relationship here? What's going on with, with the, these sorts of questions? Yeah, the the Quran was was written over uh, a period of Muhammad's lifetime, and so it's 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 not the Quran is not chronological. It's it's actually put together uh, the longest chapters first and the shortest chapters last. So it's it's compiled mm-hmm. by the length of chapters. And so as you read it, you can't read it as a chronological history. The first chapter is short, but then from the second chapter to the end, they're arranged by the, by the order or by the length of them. Um, if you were to, to take them apart and to look at which point in Muhammad's life, which chapter was written, uh, it, <laughs> it opens your eyes a little bit to, to more. Because there are parts of the Quran that says, listen to the people of the book, listen to the Christians and the Jews. Uh, study their books and if you have questions ask them uh they're good people they're people of the book um so early in muhammad's life he needed uh he needed to build a critical mass uh he was thrown out of out of mecca and he needed to uh, survive and so he started putting people together around him to have a critical mass Later on in his life, once he became strong militarily and politically, he no longer, he no longer needed the Christians and the Jews. 
he had enough people on his side, um, but you know, just to survive the the attacking other tribes who were attacking him, he needed to have a critical mass just to survive. So he was very supportive of Christians and Jews in the beginning, but at the end of his life, he became less so. But within Islam, you've got radicals and you've got moderates. Um, you know, the family that, that I started the sermon off with, you know, they were fleeing the Taliban. The Taliban were going to kill them. Uh, so the Taliban are the radicals, uh, and, and he was very much a moderate. Uh, within the context in Afghanistan and in Iran, you've got people coming to Christ because they see the tyranny of the Taliban and of the government within Iran, and they're saying, if this is true Islam, we don't want it. And, you know, so in, in a sense, the, those radicals have actually been pointing people to Jesus because they've seen them for who they are. And so, yeah. um, you know, Anything that is not of Christ is is not going to end well. And so, uh, <laughs> you know, within Islam, you do have people who are moderate. You've got people who are nominal. You have people who never go to the mosque, but they still call themselves Muslims. You know, we have mm -hmm. Christians who only show up in church on Easter and, thanks and Christmas, <laughs> uh, or maybe just once a year at Christmas. Um, or maybe they don't go at all, but they still call it some. The same thing is within all religions. So in Islam, you have people who are, you know, calling themselves Muslims and they don't have, they don't have no active faith that's, that's there. But at the, at the, and that's at one extreme. At the far other extreme, you have those people who we all have to be very careful of. Uh, the extremists and the radicals, who is a very small slice of the pie, but we, nevertheless, we have to be very careful of them. Um, so no, I wouldn't say that, um, you know, I would certainly wouldn't say all Muslims are terrorists. They're not. Uh, Absolutely. Are there some among them that we have to be careful of? Yes, most yeah. most indeed. And and again, from the little I do know, I know in some ways it is like a, a question of interpretation for those for those folks that that uh, bring some of those differences. But I, I think people sometimes don't recognize that there are those same differences within Christianity. <laughs> you know, like there have been lots of cults who had a very particular interpretation of the scriptures yep. and they would say no we're just being faithful to what the text is actually saying and we're looking at them like you no, you're not <laughs> and so uh you know the when it when it comes to issues of interpretation that doesn't that doesn't necessarily mean you know of, of course the radical muslims believe that they have the correct interpretation well that, that's yeah. because they're following their traditional you know, their interpretations yeah. on their interpretation that is what it says but um, that's not the only way to read it. Yeah. We, we have the same discussions within Christianity. Uh, you know, that's evidenced by uh, all the various traditions that, that exist in Christianity. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I think some of those conversations, and I appreciate you being patient with me and asking some of these questions just that's because pe people, uh, it, it's just we, we have so much learning to do when it comes to these other faiths, and, and especially with Islam. So um, we, we've got a, a little bit of time left here to chat. And I wondered, uh, we, we've talked a little bit about the, the, the beliefs of Islam, the, some of the practices of Islam, uh, talked about comparing that with Christianity a little bit. We've talked about um, so, some, some misconceptions that we, we can have of Muslim people. 
can you tell us a little bit more? So if I'm going about my day and I, you know, just so happens to be that the, the coffee shop that I frequent, well, there's a Muslim person that also frequents that coffee shop. Maybe we're not friends yet, but after hearing, you know, I heard this great sermon on Sunday and I, I want to, I want to befriend that person. I want to get to know them. What are some cultural things that I can be aware of? Or what are some, just in your experience ministering to these folks, what are some things that you would say to us as advice for those of us who have Muslims in our lives or who are meeting Muslim people and wanting to become yeah. friends with them? Yeah, um, most Muslim culture is, uh, as I said, very relational, very community-oriented, uh, but they're also very family-oriented. Uh, mm. So... Um, so if you see a if you're a male and you see a female in a coffee shop, uh, you probably should not approach her to share the gospel with her. Uh, let mm. another let another woman share with her. Uh, so guys share with guys and gals share with gals. If you're in a group, uh, then you can have some interaction. But they they tend to segregate along lines of of, of men and women very clearly. Uh, mm. A lot. Uh, especially under the Taliban now, if you have a wedding, the men are all in one room and the women are in another room. They, they're not allowed to, to, to mix there at all. So that, even once they come to America, that uh, they're still cognizant of that. And so we just want to be careful. I mean, you know, we, we interact, you know, men and women all the time and in the workplace. It's, you know, you, 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 you don't say, well, I can't do that because I'm a woman or I can't do that because I'm a man. Uh, but, you just want to be careful to respect their cultural boundaries that are there and not put up uh, needless barriers to the gospel. Uh, because right. if, if they see you uh, approaching someone from the opposite sex, they'll wonder, you know, what are your intentions? And so mm -hmm. uh, best to just, you know, err on the side of caution and, uh, you know, <laughs> say to a sister in Christ or to your wife or to, to someone else, you know, could you go speak to that person? Uh, I think they might be interested in, in learning more um, and just let, let let those things be respecting their culture. And uh, so th those are things that we want to be mindful of. But just as you would seek a friendship with, with someone else or find points of connection, you know, you know, there are Muslims that love football. There are Muslims who love <laughs> basketball. Uh, you know, it, it, just because they have a, a certain religion doesn't change the culture and the country they've grown up in. So those who have lived here a little bit longer or who've grown up here, were born here, uh, you know, a lot of their attitudes will be very similar to everyone else who's grown up here. And mm. some people love football. Some people don't love football. Some people love basketball. Some people don't. Some people, you know, like some things, but don't like others. So you tend to gravitate towards people who like the things that you like. So, you know, look for ways of connection that's there. Uh, do you like to go bowling? Maybe they like to go bowling. That might be a point of, you know, connection there. Right. Uh, so, you know, we just look for look for ways or, or places where you can you can connect and where you have similar similar interests. And that can be ways of uh, places to build those relationships and to strengthen them. Very good. Yeah, And in some of those ways, like you've said, it's just just the same as meeting you know, another believe, another believer. So say someone who does share your faith when the goal is friendship, the, the rules seem pretty clear. It's like, well, what do, what do you guys enjoy? Ask some questions, get to know the person. And I think that's just another testament to 
how as we dispel some of these misconceptions, just humanizing them, recognizing that they are made in the image of God, recognizing that they have, um, you know, beauty and, and strengths and gifts to bring to the table. Uh, just because people are not, this is something we talked about in my life group last night. Just because a person isn't a believer does not mean that they don't have dignity. It doesn't mean that they don't have, um, you know, something to offer, something to bring to the table. You know, of course, we want them to come to Christ because we care for their soul. We believe that following Christ is the only real way to live. But people are made in God's image. And if we're going to be serious about that theological belief, we need to recognize what that means and how that extends to and how that impacts the way that we treat folks who are very, very different from us. So, um, well, Tim, I, I really appreciate this time that we've had together. I, I wonder, is there any last sort of parting words that you would have for our church or anybody who might be listening? Yeah, I would say if you're still wondering, you know, what should I do with this? You know, just pray and ask God to, uh, to soften your heart and to give him for the Lord to give you his heart. God loves the nations. That, that comes mm. up all through Scripture, the nations. That's a phrase that pops up frequently throughout the Psalms. God's heart and love is, is for the nations, and uh, that includes Muslims. And so, Lord, uh, help me here. Help me find yes. a way to, to share the gospel. Help me to find a way to live out the gospel in front of these people and not as a Pharisee, not to, you know, show how good of a person I am, which we're not, uh, but, uh, <laughs> you know, Lord, show, give me opportunities to interact. And as you pray that, be ready for him to bring people into your life that you can begin interacting with, because if mm. you genuinely are seeking that, there are, there are ways that, that, uh, that, you know, he will open up for you. So just a, a heart that's open, a heart that that's willing to, to share and, Continue to to read. Continue to find there's there's um, you know a lot of books out there on Islam. There's a lot of books of of biographies of of Muslims who have come to faith. Um, mm. Seeking Allah, finding Jesus by Nabil Qureshi is a, is a wonderful story of his journey of coming to Christ. It took him a long time. Uh, <laughs> it takes usually it takes Muslims a long time as they leave Islam and come to Christ. Give them that room. Give them that freedom. To not immediately accept everything that you say uh, is truth, but, but allow those words, the Lord to use those words to, to percolate in and, and to work on them. So give time. And uh, Amen. those are some important steps there. Yeah. Yeah. May God give us that heart as a church and may he use us to have these redemptive conversations May he give us the patience that he had with us <laughs> and so that we Amen. can show that kind of mercy to others. Tim, if, if folks want to uh, hear more from you or if they want to follow up and uh, can, can you share with us uh, uh, more about, I think you mentioned a blog that you, you have on, on, in your sermon. Can you sh share with us more about that? Uh, it, it's a blog that I write to just try to help people um, wrestle with some things uh you know I'll, I'll introduce something in a situation that somebody works through uh sometimes many times it's me who's working through the situation and, and my eyes get opened <laughs> up to something or a little insight that's there and it's it's just everyday ordinary life where you you look for opportunities in a conversation to share about jesus so mm -hmm. you know 
steer the conversation. You're not, you know, struggling to steer a conversation. How am I going to bring Jesus up? How am I going to bring Jesus up? It will just come into that conversation and you just take it and then say, oh, that reminds me of, you know, a story that Jesus uh, told or a, a parable or that reminds me of something that I read about this. Um, just let it flow. Don't make it forced. Just make it uh, flow freely. And, and so that's the blog is just trying to uh, take the edge off of uh, sharing your faith with Muslims. Uh, you, you don't have to know everything there is to know about Islam. Uh, you got to start somewhere and just yes. start by befriending people, building relationships, connecting with them, inviting them for a meal, uh, asking questions, you know, learning, be a learner, be a student, uh, be willing to learn. And uh, so that's what the blog is just trying to explore some things. And at the end of it, you know, there, there are some prayer requests that, that they can be lifting up. Um, Perfect. So those are some things. And, and is, there a, is there a website that they could uh, find that blog at specifically? Uh, it's called Send Hope and Light. And it's, um, yeah, I'm trying to think of the full address. I, I don't have that with me right now. <laughs> hey, let, me, let me see. Well, it, and at, at any rate, uh, we can put that in the show notes for po for folks. Send hope and light. Oh no, I think I found it. Send international. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Well, uh, at, at any rate, we'll make sure that's that that uh, site is available in the show notes for anybody who's interested in digging in a little bit deeper or following up and being challenged uh, on a uh, on a regular basis to to have these kind of conversations. So. Man, Tim, thank you so much for the gift that you are to the church, uh, to, to our church, for coming and sharing with us your heart and your life. And uh, we just pray blessing over your ministry with these people that God loves. And may you continue to be an example to us uh, in how we can build relationships with folks to the end of uh, sharing Christ with them. So thank you so much. <laughs> well, I, I love this sermon series you guys are working through, expanding your circles of love and and we're all under construction. God's working on each of us, and he's teaching us yes. and, and giving us eyes to see the world as he sees both the people close to us and those on the edges. And I love the way you guys are working through this and wrestling with this as a church. And I'm just excited to to see how God will continue to grow you guys and, and grow all of us and, and, <laughs> and, you know, learning more to, to serve him, to know him, to love him. And so uh, absolutely leading people on the adventure of becoming like Christ. Yes. Amen. Let it be so. And so uh, for, for those of you who have uh, stuck in with us to the end of this podcast, thank you so much to you as well. We, we really love having these conversations and we hope that you're loving them as well. And in every way, we want to invite you into these conversations. So if you're finding that you've got questions about the scriptures, questions about what you're hearing on Sunday mornings, Please, uh, you, you can listen for the email address in the outro to this podcast. Send those questions in. We, we want to have that conversation with you as well because we believe through these conversations, through talking about the scriptures, wrestling with the faith, that the Holy Spirit will make us more and more like Jesus. So thank you to all of those you, uh, of you who are tuning in. And uh, until next time, we will go ahead and sign off. Thanks so much for joining us for this episode of the Open Door Cutting Room Floor Podcast. But don't let the conversation end here. Find a group where you can deepen your roots at connect.opendoor.tv. And don't forget to submit your questions to podcast.opendoor.tv. Have a great week, and we'll see you Sunday.